Hello and welcome to the Rob Burgess Show. I'm of course your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 92nd episode, our returning guest is Jonathan Fowler. You first heard Jonathan Fowler on episodes 2, 10, 20, 21, 29, 30, 31, 32, 34, 35, 43, 48, 51, 56, 64, 74, 83, and episode 82, which also featured regular guest Ash Burgess of the podcast. Jonathan graduated with a BA in history from Indiana University in 2006. He is an unabashed left-wing political junkie. He has lived and worked in South Korea for 10 years, trying to help the citizens of that great nation hopefully talk pretty one day. And, at Cha's suggestion, I'm trying something new starting with this episode. If you have something to say, record a voice memo on your smartphone and send it to therobburgessshow at gmail.com. Include voice memo in the subject line of the email. I have no idea what, if anything, I'll be doing with these, but it could be interesting. And now, on to the show. Hello? Hey, Cha. Hey, Bob, how are you? Oh, pretty good. Just getting to start on the day here. How about you? Oh, oh, finishing it off over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's almost the end of 2017 here. I mean, tomorrow. Yep. Yeah, tomorrow's the last day. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, what a year it's been. <laughs> yes, yes, it has. Um, but, uh, yeah, this will be the last one recorded in 2017 and the first one released in 2018. So we're starting one year off and beginning another with the cha. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm, I'm always here. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So how's, uh, how's Korea this time of year? Oh, it's balmy. Mm. This week it's gotten warmer again and it's not... I don't know. It's not close to snowing right now, I would say. Mm. Maybe after the new year it might get cold again, but so far it's not, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, Donald Trump seems to wish for this weather. <laughs> yeah, he seems to love it. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, it disproves all your uh, all your global warming theories. Yeah, yeah. He, well, he, he had a tweet saying, like, this global warming, I wish it would happen because it's so cold right now or something. I don't know what he said, but yeah, he had some ridiculous tweet the other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like snowed about four inches here last night. Okay. That's probably the first like major snowstorm we've got. We had a little like dusting or whatever on New Year's Eve, but this is like the first like major one I've seen. So. Yeah. One frustrating thing about Korea is that the snow never sticks on the ground, which would you know, maybe slow things down over here a little bit, slow down the pace of work and life a little bit, but it rarely sticks. It usually, you know, especially on the roads, it usually melts pretty quickly or gets taken care of straight away. Mm-hmm. So if it was even a little bit sticking to the ground, it would be like shut down everywhere? Uh, I don't know. Probably not. I mean, there's a lot of public transportation that they could that's they could true. argue that people could use the public transportation probably, so they should come to work anyway. That's true. Yeah. So, anyways, I'm waiting for uh, waiting for the temperature to get down. It has been cold over here at times. It's been really cold, but mm-hmm. I imagine here in January it's going to get really cold and stay that way for you know weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. 
Well, I just had my uh, last meal. I don't know if you saw my Facebook post. I had my last meal at the On the Border family Mexican restaurant over here. It's been it's been here for probably about four or five years, I guess, mm-hmm. in this uh, department store. But apparently they told me on Thursday that the lease... Like I think I think what it was that was that the Lotte department store had raised their lease prices or something, and so the restaurant didn't feel like paying a higher rate or something, so they're ending the lease and very very broken up about that. Yeah, I'm signing on to Facebook yeah. now. I haven't looked yet. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a it's a decent restaurant. It's not like the most authentic Mexican food in the world, but it's always. It's uh, who did that song? She she's all I ever had. <laughs> who who did that? Was that? Uh, I forget who sang that song. It was something back around like high school years. I'm looking. Ricky Martin. Was it Ricky Martin? Seems to be. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well. Anyways, yeah, it's, it's really upsetting. I've had a lot of memories of that place, and it's, you know, it's a pretty decent, you know, solid amount of food and stuff, and I don't know. It's it's just I've had a good relationship with that restaurant for several years, so. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, been surprisingly hard to find uh, decent Mexican food around my new office. I'm straight downtown in Indianapolis, and I'm right in the midst of the uh, all the touristy chains and stuff, and I'm, I'm missing the uh, uh, authentic Mexican food I was able to find in rural Indiana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the, the rustic uh, authenticity of... Uh, <laughs> Kokomo. Of, uh, Kokomo. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was an embarrassment of riches right. in, in retrospect compared to uh, okay. Qdoba and the uh, chain restaurants that are right around me now. Because, of course, this is like the touristy area, the circle and all that. So, hmm. Yeah, I don't have a lot of experience in downtown Indy, but um, I do miss, uh, I mean, Qdoba is okay. It's not my favorite place in the world. I mean, I do miss uh, Chipotle. I had it one time while I was back there. I think right before I drove up to Indy, I was in Bloomington that afternoon, and then I drove up to Indy that afternoon, and uh, I stopped off there and got some food. Yeah. I would definitely take Chipotle over Qdoba, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're kind of similar. We've got one over here called like Tomatillos or something. That's <laughs> sort of like that, but they recently rebranded into like a kind of like a uh, cocktail kind of loungy thing and they also do Mexican food but you can't just order like a burrito you've got to get the burrito with the chips and stuff I'm like you know I'm putting this in my book bag and driving an hour on the subway I don't need the chips the chips you know it's it's just making the bag bigger they're not going to be you know delicious when I get home just just stop upcharging me and like just give me a damn burrito so but yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of what's going on. Uh, otherwise, let me think. Uh, had a few end of year parties. End of year parties are a big thing in Korea. Uh, so you get together with your workmates or your students or your clients or your former workmates and stuff and colleagues and stuff, and you just get drunk or have dinners and stuff. <laughs> so I've done a bit of that. Yeah. 
Uh, hey, Bob, have you checked out Mindhunter? Mindhunter? Net- like it, it's a Netflix show, a new Netflix show. Mm-mm. It, it came out between the time when I was in America and when I came back here. It's quite good. Mm. David Fincher is a director on several of the episodes. Okay, yeah, I've I've heard of it, but I've not actually seen it. But it's good. Okay, very good, quite good. It's it's not a perfect show, but it's it's really pretty good and it's very compelling. Like once you start watching it, you won't want to stop. Hmm. If you liked like Silence of the Lambs, you'll probably quite like this show. Interesting. I'm trying to force myself to watch The Wire now. So, <laughs> how far in are you? I'm like on episode five. I'm I'm struggling, but I'm I'm All keeping right. with it. I I may give it a rewatch, and I can uh you know go along with you. We could we could do some wire centered uh, episodes if you wanted sure. to podcast here. Yeah, because I tell you what, like that that show. It's been a couple of years since I've watched it, and I, that's one of those shows I can come back to again and again. I think I've watched it all the way through two times hmm. so far. Yeah, I uh, okay. Of course, got it from you uh, when you came with your external hard drive, but unfortunately, the files you gave me don't have uh, subtitles, so I feel lost most of the time. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I'm used to watching oh. stuff with uh, subtitles, especially stuff I've never seen before. So. <laughs> Yeah, Bob, the less we say about my, my files on an external hard drive, probably the better. Oh, okay. Well, that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. We don't want to alert the authorities. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, when it comes to Mindhunter, I'd like to just mention that I am a, uh, a Netflix subscriber. <laughs> of course you are. And a very proud member. Love your service. <laughs> So let's all just Netflix and chill about where I get my videos at, okay? <laughs> exactly. It's all legal. All legal. <laughs> Nothing to see here, folks. No collusion. No collusion. Yeah. <laughs> even the Democrats are saying that even, now. Even they are. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Everybody, Everybody's saying it. <laughs> <laughs> even the, yeah. Even the imaginary Democrats that I've made up. Yeah, I think I saw that... Um, there was some some outtakes or something from an interview that Trump just gave to the New York Times. I have no idea why he gave an interview to the New York Times, except for the fact that he's a shameless attention whore. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he said apparently he said in this interview that all of the Democrats now basically agree that there was no collusion, and there were like a million like reaction pieces on the internet that were like. Uh, actually, approximately zero percent of Democrats say that. <laughs> it's like it's this guy is. I don't know. It, it doesn't really matter if he's lying or if he's just living in a fantasy world. He's incompetent. He's he doesn't belong there, and mm-hmm. it's going to go down as a, a, a shame spot now in the nation's history, mm-hmm. undoubtedly. I mean, yeah. if the nation even survives. Well, there was a uh, controversy in, in the journalism community over that very interview because um, the uh, you know the interviewer from the New York Times didn't challenge many of the uh, false or misleading assertions that that Trump made during that interview and people are saying well you're just a stenographer if you don't you know challenge him on these things but then the pushback is you know oh you let him talk you give him enough rope to hang himself and then you know later on if they need to use this to prove something then you can't be you know accused of leading them down a path or anything but I don't know what what's your take on all that 
Oh, God, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know under what circumstances the New York Times even got an interview with him. Was it an impromptu thing, like they just happened to catch him or something? Yeah, it was at, like, a golf club in Florida where he's, like, vacationing and and doing all the hard work on the golf course. And and, uh, they they caught up with him because, I guess, this guy was an invited guest of someone else or something. So... Hmm. Yeah, I can I can see like I mean, okay, is the is the criticism that he didn't push back in the writing or that he didn't push back in the conversation? Well, they released the like transcript or partial transcript of the actual interview. So they had the story itself, yeah. but then they also included just straight just excerpts from the like half hour they sat down with him and in that it was revealed that they didn't, you know, challenge him on a lot of his what he, what he said. I'm I'm not a journalist, uh, but my my you know my hot take on the issue is that if it was an impromptu interview where Trump could basically walk away at any moment, um, you probably don't want to push him back too hard on the stuff he's saying. You're mm-hmm. just you know getting the information, and I I haven't read the whole article yet. I will, but um, I I imagine that the New York Times includes uh, you know facts when Trump presents his counterfactual statements. So yeah, I mean, I have uh, seen in print like the pushback, but you know, people are saying that this is not, you know, the way you're supposed to behave as a journalist in the moment, you know, you're supposed to be able to ask like tough, but fair follow-up questions. Yeah. I don't know. I think, well, gosh, I don't know. Um, I think that, uh, I think that when you publish a transcript of anything that Trump has ever said, it ends up hurting Trump invariably, whether you annotate it in any way or whether you push back on what he says. I mean, there was one, I forget, I think it was the WAPO, was it Washington Post, a few, like six months ago or something, that did an interview where he, like, he kept, he wouldn't stop looking at the TV and he was just all over the place and everything and they couldn't get him to focus and half the things he said were totally inaudible, which is unfortunately something that happens to me sometimes on this podcast. <laughs> But I'm trying to enunciate clearly, and I'm trying to keep my head close to the uh, speaker. Here. Yeah, you're you're actually coming through pretty clear. So, okay, good. So I need to look into getting like a head a head a microphone set that like I don't know if it should be a Wi-Fi Bluetooth thing or mm-hmm. a wired mic or what. But yeah, I need to look into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I don't know what's on the agenda here for today. I mean, it could go in a lot of directions, I guess. We could, yeah. I don't know. It's just like uh, the new year, and I don't know. There's uh, a lot of, lot, of, lot to discuss with the Russia thing, I guess. But, yeah, whatever whatever you want to yeah. go with it. But how's uh, Korea, yeah. this, you know, politically right now? Well, another year over, a new one just begun, as John Lennon once said, I believe, right? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that was it. I think that captures the, the, the situation with Trump right now. Mm-hmm. Um, South Korea's political situation. Hmm. Are they about to get a, uh, Are they about to get an ambassador? Also, was that a thing I heard? I don't know. Somebody got picked or something. I, he might have been. I, I thought they had. A, I guess they had an interim ambassador. I forget the guy's name. I want to say it was mm-hmm. Victor. Or, or something. I don't know. Some it was. A, I think it was a Korean American guy. 
but I, I may not have those facts correct. But I thought that it was a permanent replacement, but I think it was just a temporary thing or something. Yeah, because I think I've heard various people on MSNBC or whatever say that they still don't have an ambassador. So mm-hmm. uh, don't don't quote me on that. I'd have to do my do a little homework on mm-hmm. that. But I do know for a ridiculously long time, like at least six months, we did not have an ambassador, and possibly up till now, almost a year later, we we may not have one. So. Mm-hmm. Which is ridiculous considering how central the Korean situation has been for the past year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for Politically sure. and domestically in Korea, politics are interesting. Um, I largely appreciate a lot of what the current president, Moon Jae-in, is doing. Mm-hmm. He's a left-wing president. Um uh, for example, just the other day, I read an article that he had pardoned something like 3,000 uh, criminals or something like that, and that most of them were convicted of financial crimes, or they were illegal immigrants, or they were elderly, or they were pregnant, or they were, you know, basically, and, and apparently none of them were company CEOs or people convicted of, you know, uh, political uh, money crimes and stuff like that, bribery, stuff like that. So I think that's a, a huge, that's a great, that's a great step for Korea, I think. Um, I Obviously, I haven't had time to, you know, go through every single criminal and every single crime that they committed. But, you know, it was obviously very symbolic for this president that he was not pardoning people who had been involved in political or uh, the no rapists, no murderers. And I don't think any any uh, CEOs of major companies who are usually the beneficiaries of pardons in Korea. Hmm. So that was I think that was a good move. Um, on the other hand, uh, let's see they've they've now banned after school English programs for students from I believe the first grade through the third grade in elementary school which effectively has killed the after-school jobs program over here because, mm. for foreign teachers because, um, you know, obviously, you know, I worked at one of those for two years, and we never, you know, we're never making a profit hardly, right? Right. And we were teaching six grades. And if you cut out three of the grades, you've got three grades left, you're, you're having the number of students. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, comp- for, for, uh, for the kind of uh, programs that are already struggling, uh, it's it's pretty much a death knell for the after-school English programs. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind it, I guess, is that they've got this idea in Korea that if young children start learning English too early, then they won't learn Korean language properly, which I have never seen any evidence for. And in fact, I think like like tomorrow, if I if I had a baby tomorrow mm-hmm. and I was here, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be teaching the kid Korean and English simultaneously. Yeah, you know, and as, as many other languages we could fit in there because, you know, like I've been in Korea for ten years and. You know, I've never tried to learn Korean, and it's, like, kind of embarrassing sometimes how little Korean I actually know. (laughs) But, you know, there's kids. I teach kids who are less than 10 years old, and I think about that. These kids are basically fluent in Korean, of course. Mm -hmm. But I've I've actually been in Korea longer than they have, and I can't speak Korean. (laughs) So the earlier you get a start on another language, the better. Because when you become an adult, learning it is just, it's hard. Mm Mm-hmm. And well, so, and yeah. you know, 
I mean, when you're a kid, those like those neural networks aren't formed yet and stuff. They're not hardened or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the earlier you can get that language framework in there, the better, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've definitely heard that as far as like learning languages, it's always better to start earlier because there's all those little like uh, you know, nuanced things that you don't think about that, you know, you can pick up much easier when you're not an adult because when you're an adult, it's, you know, you've you're pretty much set in your ways and you can't hear those especially with like uh, I feel like some Asian languages are like have a musical element to it, so it's kind of like you know what I mean? It's like that uh or ah, uh, you know, like, yeah. Korean Korean doesn't really have that, but definitely like Chinese and Vietnamese are what they call tonal languages. Mm-hmm. I know Chinese has four tones. And actually, I'm not sure how many tones Vietnamese has, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's a that's a whole other element on top of learning a language that you know makes it very hard for people who don't grow up around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your uh, your voice is getting a little bit muffled, by the way. Oh, sorry. Here, yeah. is that better? Yep. Okay. Um, but another, I mean, I've heard two excuses for why they're cutting this program and stuff. Well, I've heard two excuses, and then there's one reason, I think, actually, one kind of underlying reason, which is, well, I'll come to the reason in a bit. But the other, the, the first excuse is that it hurts Korean learning for young children, mm-hmm. which I don't believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one is that it puts too much stress on young children to have them having to study so much, which is generally true. But I would feel like this was less of an anti-foreigner thing if they were also cutting after-school math programs, after-school, you know, science programs. Any other kinds of after-school programs were getting cut except for English. But I haven't seen any push for that. I haven't seen any drive for that. Nobody's talked about that. So I think that's a, also a bullshit argument that they're just trying to reduce stress on the kids. Hmm. And another problem is that the after-school programs are government-subsidized to some degree. And they also have to offer lower prices. Like we had to offer like a 33% price, uh, like a basically a 66% discount, I think, to, to children whose families were poor, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Which was generally a good thing, I thought, although it obviously made it much harder for us to turn a profit. And, you know, for the entire time I was working for that company, I was not always making the promised salary. So I was like mm-hmm. taking pay cuts left and right. It was a nightmare. Um, but I think the I think the underlying reason for why they're doing this though is because the uh, the uh, my neighbor's doing something outside. <laughs> I think the underlying reason for why they're doing this though is that the uh, they actually made it so that everybody in Seoul gets free school lunches, hmm. whether they're poor, rich, doesn't matter. They everybody gets a free school lunch. And when they did that, they took a bunch of money out of their uh, language programs. And so they couldn't afford as many foreign English teachers, native speaker English teachers. So then they tried to say, well, you know, Korean teachers have come a long way and they're so good that they're just as good as a native speaker. And I think that could almost be true for like grammar stuff or stuff like that. But I think when it comes to actually speaking, you know, I've worked with a million Korean teachers who are terrified to speak to the native speakers because they aren't confident about their English. In some cases, rightly so. In some cases, wrongly so. But to say that they're the same or better than just having native speakers in the classroom is, I don't know. I just see a lot of excuses to justify a decision that I don't think was a very smart decision. And I don't see anybody on the other side really engaging with the argument against the policy change. So. Hmm. 
Can you buy some politicians over there? Uh, not on this salary. I I <laughs> a few months ago when I meant to. <laughs> right. Yeah, have you been following the Bitcoin? I have been following the Bitcoin, actually. Yeah. Uh, an interesting article I read about that was there's some people who um, bought Bitcoin like years ago and don't remember their like passwords now to get in to their Bitcoin accounts. And so they're like, one guy like built like a supercomputer to try like every password combination. But the downside is it's going to take like 300 years to guess the right one. Another guy like hired a hypnotist to like try to see if he could like raise the like pay a password from his subconscious or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is, I mean, I wouldn't have, I, I, I meant to, like a guy, I, before I came to America, a guy was telling me that we should buy Bitcoins. I was like, okay, how much are Bitcoins right now? He's like, $2,000. I was like, oh man, that, that's too much. I'm not going to pay $2,000 for Bitcoin. I was like, I might put 200 or $300 in to get a part of one, which I wish I would have done. Mm-hmm. But looking back on it, I mean, the damn thing went to basically $20,000 last month, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that could have done my student loans practically mm-hmm. if I bought one of the damn things. I'm like, I'm kicking myself. I should have canceled my trip to America, taken all my money and put it in Bitcoin and just waited for three months, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what I should have done. But 2020 hindsight. Yeah, yeah. No, one of my friends tried to get me involved in like a Bitcoin group here locally like a couple of years ago. And I was like, oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of you, a lot of people. What do you know? <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, but that's the thing I don't get about them. They they'll never work as a currency as long as their price is unstable, which it will be as long as it's got investors in it and stuff. I think. I mean, mm-hmm. um, as long as it's like a speculation thing, um, and the fact that there's a, a limited number that will ever be printed mm-hmm. means that. You know, I mean, they, they they argue that that's to, like, control inflation or something, or that's to, I forget what that is, that's to, like, prevent a central regulating authority from coming in and just making more money or whatever all these anti-Fed people are always on about. And, but the thing is, like, yeah, it's like those people in those articles. Uh, people forget passwords. Uh, people die. Mm-hmm. What happens if everybody owns all the Bitcoins that are ever going to be produced, and then 10 or 20 years later, 75% of those people are dead, and they didn't leave any way for their family or any of their dependents to ever get their Bitcoins. Those Bitcoins are effectively gone forever, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's insanity. That doesn't work as a currency. Like, a currency can be gotten to in a bank and divided up amongst, like, survivors of your in your family or something. I mean, mm-hmm. something that's locked away in a, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's just... I don't know. Frankly, I think a lot of the people, um, you know, I'd love to get into Bitcoin or any of these cryptocurrencies and, like, be making money out of stuff. But the people who are really, like, still gung-ho about it is, like, this is going to replace the dollar. Man, this is the new gold standard. It's like, you're insane. <laughs> you people, this is a cult. I, I better be careful. I may get some hate for this kind <laughs> but, but But you got to be real about it. I mean, like, mm-hmm. there are, you know, sure, okay, there are things that the cryptocurrencies can do that other currencies can't. But, I mean, look at it right now. It costs like $50, $55 or something to make a, make a transfer of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So whatever you're buying or selling, you better be prepared to, like, make a $55 surcharge on top of that 
it's not fast. It may take like several hours or a couple of days or something to transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, obviously, we talked about the price fluctuation. Let alone like a Bitcoin in Korea costs like a couple thousand dollars more than it does in America, I think. There's like a so even as a thing where it was supposed to like knock down the borders between where like there's a you know, where there's like one Bitcoin in America is supposed to equal one Bitcoin in Korea, but that's not actually the case right now. Hmm. A Bitcoin in Korea is more expensive than it is in America. So you still have this like exchange rate that you're gonna have to contend with. It's just like I don't think that it solves as many of the problems of money as other people think it does. I mean, it doesn't. And if the criticism of regular money is that it's not based on anything, it used to be based on the gold standard or whatever, or silver or whatever it was before, but now it's just based on confidence in the fact that it exists or whatever. I mean, this doesn't really solve that question either because this is even less real because there's not even like an actual physical object <laughs> at this point. It's just numbers, yeah. string of numbers. So. Yeah. And people like, I mean, people are like, well, gold has its value. Well, no, gold has like a value that, and I'm not an economist, so I'm not, you know, uniquely qualified to speak on this, but like the, the value of gold, I mean, you know, you take the richest person in gold and put them in the middle of the desert for five days, and then you offer them a glass of water and you find out how much the gold's value is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not like it's like paper money has no value and gold has some value. It's all assigned by human wants, right? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's, uh, I, yeah, I don't understand these kind of, it seems to be largely like a, almost like a libertarian thing or something. This kind of this. Mostly, this, yeah. Uh, this focus on how money doesn't actually have any value and that we should be looking into alternative forms of money and stuff. I don't know, you know. I say we just start trading pelts again. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, yeah. But then you're going to have some libertarian saying, like, well, you know, but that's not, you know, you can't, it's not scalable or something. Like, I, I, if I want to trade you, like, how many pelts is a loaf of bread worth, huh? Should I cut off part of the pelt and give you that, huh? No, I'll take <laughs> you know, a squirrel one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, one squirrel for a loaf of bread. Yeah. Hmm. That's a good exchange rate, right? right? <laughs> yeah, perhaps. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I read an article in the Atlantic six months ago or something where they were talking about the the barter economy was actually not as non-functional as it uh, seems to be when we think about it in the past. Like when we think about it retroactively, we think, well, God, yeah, how do you, I mean, if you do this and they do that and you need their milk, but they don't need your like widgets or whatever, then how, how, how in the world did anything ever get done? But from what I read in that article, it seems like things actually worked a lot smoother. Like we might've, like we might hope they would. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like this worst of all worlds kind of economy. No, I'm sure. Yeah. And they, they talk about some, like some Island in the South Pacific or something where these people, they have these huge stones, right? And the stones represent currency. Mm -hmm. And, but obviously these stones are huge and they're hard to move around and stuff. And so like, even if you pay somebody with your stone, the stone, you might just leave it in front of your house, but it's widely known by everybody that that stone belongs to the other guy now, even though it's still at your house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, I mean, like there, there's been all kinds of these weird, like currency things that people have tried in different parts of the world. And I don't know. I mean, the fact is like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, 
if I wouldn't want to leave my money in Bitcoin, right? Mm-hmm. If I left my money, if I put all my money in Bitcoins and I said, I'm not using the American dollar anymore. And then six months later, I check the exchange rates and stuff, which are still tied to the dollar, right? Or the Korean won or whatever, <laughs> you know, because we don't have any way to objectively value a Bitcoin on its own, independent of real money, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. I've actually got part of a Bitcoin. You've got part of one? Yeah. How, did you, like how did you get zero, a part of zero, one? Zero, four. Uh, one of my friends in Korea who made like, he made like 7 million won, about $7,000 roughly, like uh, trading Bitcoins over the past couple months. I've been, you know, I've been kicking myself for not getting in on this stuff. Um, but he had emptied out one of his accounts, but he had like a little bit of a Bitcoin left over. So he just like sent it to me. Because he's trying to convince me to get in on all this craziness, too. Mm-hmm. And so he sent me 0.000475% of a Bitcoin or something, which is, it was about 774 when he gave it to me in dollars. Mm-hmm. And then it went up to about $10, you know, when things were going crazy. And now it's down to like about $6 yesterday when I checked or something. And I don't know where it's at today, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to watch. And it's kind of like fun to think about, like, what if I had really... Throwing some real money in there. Yeah. Of course, if you'd waited too long to um, cash out, then if, you know, the bubble burst like it did, you'd be, of course, kicking yourself on the other side of it because, you know, if you hold on to it for too long, it's, you know, the other direction. But I guess there's always that what if, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you would have, but... Well, when the bubble burst, when did the bubble burst? Uh, Like a couple days ago, a week ago, maybe... Yeah, but I mean, if I would have bought it when I was going to buy it, it was two thousand dollars a Bitcoin. It it's since it's gone up to like twenty thousand dollars, it hasn't gone that back down below ten thousand again. No, I think so it's still no like matter, twelve or something. Yeah, it's it's bounced around a little bit. It might be thirteen or twelve or somewhere around there. But it, I mean, it still would have been like you know, I don't know. It would have been an almost a you know, at least a five times increase of what I had put in. Sure. Still. So, mm-hmm. of course, yeah, who knows tomorrow the thing may fall apart totally and be worth almost nothing, but yeah, you know, and if that fucking happens, I'm buying a bunch of them. <laughs> <laughs> I got to make the same mistake yeah. twice. Yeah. Even if, if they go to zero tomorrow and everybody's like, man, fuck the Bitcoin. It was all a bubble. I'm buying like a thousand of them and we're just going to wait and see. Okay. <laughs> Cause you know, cause maybe it's a, maybe it's a, it's a waste of a small amount of money, but if they, if, 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 you know, if enough people think like I do, you know, I could be a millionaire. <laughs> exactly. Well, it was down uh, at 2000 as recently as mid-July. And okay. so it went all the way up to, at the highest, it was 19,175. And then it okay. went, and then it fell. Um, I'm trying to see when it fell. Yeah, that wasn't. It was just a couple of days ago. It it went down to like fourteen thousand, then it bounced back up to like fifteen five, and then now I think it's down to like fourteen five. But still, like okay. you said, if if you do that's you know several times more than two thousand. So yeah, I wonder how many of our listeners in in the audience out there uh, have got any 
how many of them are coin holders, you know? Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting. Like, I don't know, Bob, do you ever think about like having some sort of an audience uh, interaction format or something like a, like a Reddit or something? I, I don't know. Eh, maybe. I don't page. know. I don't know how, how much I want to open, open it up to the, the hoi polloi or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so elitist, Bob. So elitist. <laughs> But no, I know what you're saying. Nobody wants to read the comments. But yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what people's thoughts about. I'm always fascinated whenever I see people talking about Bitcoins or these things. Because like, no matter which side of it they're on, I'm always fascinated just to see how that interaction plays out. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I have an ability to have people leave like uh, voicemail messages on my Google Voice phone. So maybe I'll do something with that. Okay, that'd be kind of interesting if we had like a like a call in thing. Not that anybody could just call in during the show, but like I mean, if you played certain you know recordings that people had left us or something like yeah, that, yeah, that could be interesting. Kind of respond, that'd be interesting. I think. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. These these could be far off things or whatever. No, no, that is interesting. Even. Yeah. So, have you seen the new Star Wars? I haven't seen the last, like, three Star Wars. Really? Yeah. What are you doing with your life, Bob? <laughs> Probably having children. <laughs> oh, man. Kids love it the most. Yeah, I don't really want them to see all that. But... Mm. You don't want to expose them to the dark side of the Force yet? Not yet. <laughs> we got time for that later. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen I haven't seen the new Star Wars yet. I, I saw the last two that they came out with, though. Episode 7... And then that one that they had that was kind of like an off offshoot. Uh, I don't know what, what do you call it. Oh, well, the one where they sold about... the Death Star plans, you know. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. they. Well, I don't want to spoil it. So. <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, that's a thing that's happening now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I downloaded it, but I'm too scared to watch it. Mm. Yeah. I yeah, I've heard it's really scary. I've seen the old one from TV with Tim Curry. Yeah, I never saw that either. Uh, or maybe I, I might have seen that over at the Eubanks or something one time. Hmm. I don't remember, but clowns, like, since high school, clowns have freaked me the hell out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what with John Wayne Gacy and so forth. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I don't know, but I, I want to see it. It looks like a good movie. It looks like an interesting kind of coming-of-age you know, kids, you know, adults talking about when they were kids and this crazy clown was like, you know, doing crazy stuff in their neighborhood and stuff. It looks like an interesting and compelling story. And, you know, Stephen King, not the greatest writer in the world, but he's a, he's a decent writer. He's a good writer, basically. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I don't know. want to see it. Yeah. I heard there's a scene in the book. Sorry, what were you going to say? I just got to psych myself up to watch it one of these days. Yeah. You said you're mostly alone when you watch the horror movies over there, so it's too scary. Yeah. I watched uh, when the Chinese the Chinese teacher, unfortunately, my, uh, I guess my ex-girlfriend, she left Korea. She's back in China now. But, um, mm. yeah, we watched Ju uh, on the Grudge one time at her house. <laughs> and for a while, we were just, like, laying on the bed watching it on the laptop or whatever. And for a while, she just turned away from the screen. She wasn't even looking at the screen anymore. She was just looking at me. And I said, watch, watch. And she said, no, it's it's too creepo. 
<laughs> yeah, it was it was a funny moment, but um, she was right. It was a creepo. It was a creepy movie. Mm-hmm. So. So, anyways, yeah. Um, sorry, I got a got a text message there. Oh, that's all right. I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, well, I guess uh, I don't know. What about? I don't know. Where do you want to go from here? Uh, uh, he was watching a uh, Thomas the Tank Engine video on YouTube, and there was an ad in the middle of the video, and. <laughs> She started crying. I, I, that happens to me sometimes. <laughs> That's how I feel. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. start. I start like I start screaming at my um, my iPod and iPad and uh, start pushing where the button should be before it even you know is there. Yeah, exactly. Or like skip. it's yeah, yeah. Or the skip thing turns into you wait till after the ad. Like then you give you the option to skip. I hate that one. <laughs> yeah, I hate it. Like especially when I'm getting a shower in the morning and I have my iPad there mm-hmm. and stuff, and I'm listening to like the news or something like that. Mm-hmm. And an ad comes on, and I I go to push the button, but like I've got water running down my arm, and so that lands on the on the iPad, and then like it starts clicking through random videos again and again and again <laughs> until I get the water off the screen. Total nightmare. Oh man, yeah, you get one of those waterproof cases so you can take it into the shower with you. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's a problem. Yeah. You may as well get used to that early <laughs> in, in this day and age. But, um, yeah, so what's going on uh, What's going on with Iran right now with the protests? I had just been hearing about this. I saw some headlines. I haven't dug into the articles yet. Um, I heard there were anti-government protests, and then I heard that today that there were pro-government pro- counter-protests. Hmm. Um, I did just hear that Iran is getting rid of uh, the requirement that women dress a certain way in public, apparently. So, you know, kudos to them there. Yeah. But But it's also interesting because didn't Saudi Arabia just allow women to start driving? Yeah, I guess so. Um, Oh, boy. Yeah, Saudi Arabia. Don't even get me started. <laughs> yeah, it's uh I don't know. The the thing that's going on with Yemen. Uh, what a nightmare. Um let alone, you know, Israel, Palestine, the uh the uh the occupied West Bank, uh, mm-hmm. Trump recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, um, which, you know, for a guy who claims to be a negotiator and who wants to get a good deal to, to grant, you know, the Likud party, basically the one thing that they want with no strings attached. It's not very good negotiating if you're trying to, you know, of course, he sent, he sent his son in law Jared Kushner over there as this is like one of his things is to try to achieve Middle East peace. Mm-hmm. And we find out later that Jared Kushner has invested in illegal settlements. Mm-hmm. He's financially invested in the illegal settlements, which are, you know, rightly condemned by a large part of the United Nations. 
uh, over our protestations mm-hmm. uh, in the country there. Yeah. Total nightmare. Just, just totally bumbling, incompetent, um, foolish. Um, I don't know. What, 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 what can you say? This is, you know, elections have consequences, I guess. You don't sound like you have much faith in Jared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I I wish I wish uh, Robert Mueller would uh, move quickly and start throwing Trump kids in the jail. I think he knows that it's like game over if he does that though. So I think it's like I think he's saving that for like his last move because I think if like Jared or Don Jr. or any of that tier of people start going down, I think that. Trump will do something very rash. So I think that yeah. he's probably like trying to make the best case he can before then and just, you know, save that for the very end and maybe hand off the work to state attorneys general, uh, you know, in case that happens or something. But yeah, I don't know though. I think the longer this stuff drags on, I don't know. It's, you know, it's like the frog in the boiling water, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, the longer it drags on, the less shocked the American people are going to be when he ever comes to any conclusions. Yeah. And, you know, if he really did start, if he did try to throw one of the Trump kids in jail and then Trump fired him or something like that, that would really put the, I, I have no faith that the Republican Congress people would do the right thing at any point, mm-hmm. but that would really put them in a spot where they either have to or they're going to look really bad. And, you know, it would force certain issues, you know, Mm -hmm. it would, it would clarify things for a lot of Americans, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, as uh, one of my other guests, Sarah Kensinger said that, you know, they're not even necessarily laying the groundwork to fire Mueller just in case, you know, they're really just trying to inoculate the public uh, from what he might bring to the light in case he doesn't get fired, you know what I mean? It's like, even if he doesn't get fired, whatever he comes up with will be tainted by these, uh, these Republicans in Congress who are muddying the water and, you know, all this. So Yeah, I, I think the entire Republican Party, pretty much, almost without exception, is a giant criminal conspiracy at this point. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah, I mean, they think they're muddying the water. They're not. They're they're you know confusing their their base, which is a radically confused group of people already. <laughs> uh, the Trump base is. I think I saw a poll yesterday that like forty four percent of Republicans, all Republicans, not just Trump voters, mm-hmm. think that Trump has already repealed Obamacare. Yeah, I saw that. It's it's you know it's. Uh, I mean. <laughs> the, I mean, like I, like we've said before, we've joked around, like, we should all just start saying, man, I can't believe Trump built the wall with Mexico, that bastard. And they say, yeah, he did build the wall. You lived hard, don't like it, do you? But he did, so, and, you know, and then he'd never actually have to build the wall because, you know, the people who the wall was designed as a political wedge issue, they already believed it was built, and they would, right? Right. So... Yeah, it's a very faith-based model. Um, just you know, it's like that. Uh, it's like that line in uh, uh, you know Napoleon Dynamite: "I'll make all your wildest dreams come true." So. <laughs> yeah, but we're not voting for Pedro here. No, <laughs> I think Pedro would have been a preferable uh, politician. Yeah, I think a large part of America is voting against Pedro, if you will. Yeah. 
So, but yeah, it's, uh, what do you think about the first year? I mean, we're coming up on the first year. Yeah, we should probably some, try to sum, sum this <laughs> dumpster fire up somehow. <laughs> yeah, it's, the one thing I will say about it that's kind of a good thing, maybe, I don't know, is that I feel like this year has gone quickly. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's it's really weird. I mean, it's like I feel like it's gone pretty quickly. Yeah. For all the all the bad shit that's happened, all the dumb shit that Trump has done every single day, like the year, I don't know. Next year may be long, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, at least there's uh, the midterm elections next year to look forward to. I mean, it seems like with the results in uh, Alabama and Virginia and all them places, you know, that seems like it's an indicator that we should might see a, a blue wave um, coming through. So, I really hope so. I, I, the only thing that worries me about that is I think the, the Roy Moore situation or whatever, Doug Jones, Roy Moore, I mean, that was a totally unique situation where the, the mm-hmm. Republican was uniquely, uniquely deplorable. So, and, yeah. he, and he's still, he, you know, like 48 to 48.8 or something like the final percentage was like about a percentage point difference or something. Yeah. It was like somebody, I saw somebody on Twitter said, uh, if we can beat a pedophile by 0.8%, what can't we do? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. uh, (laughs) Yes. All our wildest dreams will come true. I know, right? Still, you know, it is nice to see the laws of political gravity, as they put it, you know, apply in some way to some people. Because I think he was running a very uh, Trumpish campaign there at the end. And especially with the accusations floating around, you know, he basically ran the Trump playbook with the whole Access Hollywood thing. You know, it was like the shock, the horror, now it recedes, now everyone who disavowed is coming back into the fold. Just deny, 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 and then just try to get across the finish line. And it nearly worked, but it didn't. So, I mean, maybe that's a sign that, you know, this, you know, Trump might be an aberration as opposed to the, you know, rule, because if he was the way things going he would have won so but yeah you're right it's a uniquely you know situation so i think i think based on the the laws of political gravity as we used to know them i mean the guy would have been done sure the second like these these things came out and yeah the republican party would have disavowed him and never come back but they did they came back and they started throwing money in. they started actively campaigning which is should be hugely embarrassing for them uh, I don't know. I've heard some rumors that Paul Ryan may be possibly leaving Washington next year. I don't know if that's true or not. I know he's got a pretty good challenger, mm-hmm. like that guy with the mustache who's in the union or whatever is going to challenge him on the Democratic side. And looks like he's got a pretty looks like he may have a decent chance. I don't know. I, I like the guy. The Iron Stash. Yeah, I've I've seen some interviews he's done and stuff. Mm-hmm. But but. Yeah, but the fact that the Republican Party felt safe enough to come back in and support this guy actively, uh, you know, and the thing where they did that they they had somebody, you know, like Jude Jewy Stein calling people up in Alabama and saying, hi, I'm from the Washington Post. And, uh, uh, are you talking about Bernie Bernstein? <laughs> Whatever the hell his name was. Like, I mean. You, you know what you know what they were trying to do. Yeah, we all know. So, yeah, he's like, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll give you money if you'll make up unsubstantiated claims against this guy. And don't worry, we're not going to follow up with it. We're not going to really investigate it. We're with mm-hmm. the dimensional with the Washington Post again. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, yeah, they tried to pull those shenanigans. I mean, 
So to that degree, I think the laws of political gravity don't apply anymore. It is true to some degree that Donald Trump, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, I don't know. It's, it's like the, the authoritarian impulse to support one man, you know, the, the kind of the great man theory of history or something that like Mm -hmm. one person can come in and change everything or something. And, and if you're not that one person, then you don't get the same benefit in Mm -hmm. the consciousness. So, right. Yeah. So to some degree, I think, yeah, other people won't be able to benefit in exactly the same way that Trump did. But on the other hand, I think the, like the, whatever they call the Overton window. Yeah. Whatever, that's just about what I was going to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's like certain categories of behavior that would have been beyond the pale right. a year ago mm-hmm. are now kind of like, well, you know, uh, I would have dropped out a year ago, but I think I'm just going to, you know, keep my head down and keep trying to go forward with this thing right now. And it might work, and it almost did. I mean, the guy still hasn't conceded yet, has he? No, no. I think he's still fundraising off of this. Uh, Last I heard, he was trying to stop the certification uh, by the Secretary of State. Of course, that didn't work. And now I don't know what his plan is. But, yeah, he still hasn't conceded as far as I know. So, Yeah. Well, we'll see how that goes for him. Yeah. Well, I mean, you also had that uh, congressman in Montana, Greg Gianforte, that body slammed the Guardian reporter, Ben Jacobs, and, you know, he still won. So, you know, there's still, you know, I think, yeah, the the acceptability, uh, you know, what's acceptable has definitely changed. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I think, like, whatever happens, America's in big trouble right now. I mean, like, even if the Democrats come in, like, next year and teach this guy and try to restore order, you've got a good 30 to 35 percent of the country that is, you know, they're going to be Trump forever, basically. Yeah, exactly. They're, yeah, they're in a... Uh cult of personality or something beyond where facts can reach them so yeah yeah and Fox yeah. News isn't well, helping I'm, <laughs> well of course not, not, not <laughs> so, yeah it's uh yeah I don't know gosh I'm trying to think what I've what have I've seen or consumed recently as far as media um I don't know. I read an article. Let's see. What did I read? I read an article in the New Yorker earlier today. I think it was an article from 2016 that they'd reposted. kind of bothers me when these, these companies do that. They, like, repost stuff from several years ago on their, on their especially, like... Oh, and act like it's, stuff. like, new, you mean? Well, yeah. I mean, if they if they mention in the title, this is a, this is one from our coverage years ago, or so, oh, okay, that's fine, but... And they just drop it on there, and like they have people go to go like go to each other's throats and stuff in the comment section, mm-hmm. and then like you check the date on the article, and it's like, oh, this is like 2014. Yeah. Why the hell are we still like fighting over this? <laughs> but and they're back at the office, like clicks, clicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stop. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we posted an old article. Shut up and take my click money. <laughs> Yeah, but okay. So this one was like about how there. Okay, there's a feminist group that was getting together in New York City, mm-hmm. and they were going through and editing um, articles on Wikipedia to, from what I could gather, to lengthen articles about females, and in some cases to shorten articles or to take out 
information that they didn't feel was pertinent in, I don't know, articles about females or possibly articles about males or pop culture things. Hmm. I don't know. They, they, they mentioned the article that like, uh, the Tony Morris, like the Tony Morrison article on Wikipedia is only half as long as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. What's wrong with this world? I'm like, um, <laughs> that's kind of apples to oranges. I'm thinking, like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, one is a single person, and the other one is a, a television event that was formative in the lives of our entire millennial generation. And, you know, involved the work of a lot of people and a lot of merchandising and a lot of franchising and a lot of, you know, spinoffs and action figures. And, you know, yeah, I don't know, you know, I don't know. It's, yeah. One so is a what? human woman and the other is uh, four uh, mutant teenage uh, turtles that love pizza and do karate. <laughs> like, They're heroes in a half shell, man. <laughs> There's a lot to say. But but these people, I mean, like, these people get together, and they want to go, and they want to rectify this or something. Huh. And this one guy was like, he was in there, and they talked to him, and he was like, I'm editing this thing about this woman in India who was known as the Bandit Queen. And she was like a, a violent criminal, but she, um, she went and she, like... Uh, she became a politician in India's parliament or whatever. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. And actually, I think I've read her Wikipedia article a couple of years ago. For some reason, I, it was linked. It was linked in something else I was reading. <laughs> but he said, like, well, okay, they've got information about who she was married to here, and that's not important, so I'm just going to take it out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, as a history major, I'm just cringing on the inside. I'm like, once factual good information is there to take it off the record for some sort of a misbegotten political ideology, uh, it's a Wikipedia article. It's supposed to be somewhat authoritative and like, you know, have as much information as possible, basically. So when you're going in and taking out information because you personally deem it like not important, like, Oh, this article should be about the woman. It shouldn't be about her husband. I think mentioning the person that she was married to, I I don't think, I don't know. And then they had these two other people who were like graphic designers. It was a boyfriend, girlfriend couple or something. And they were like editing an article for a group of, okay, some sort of like a, it was like a feminist of like, okay, it was, it had something to do with a spinoff from the weather underground or something. And it was like a feminist uh, propaganda wing of the weather underground or something like that. Hmm. And they were editing the article and they said, wow, we were both graphic designers and we never heard of these women until just recently. It's amazing that we can edit this. And I'm like, has the world gone crazy? You're admitting in the article that you had no idea who these people were until five minutes ago, but you feel like you're qualified enough to get together just because everybody's editing articles that you're going to edit this article for these people that you've never heard of before. <laughs> like I, I, I got really pissed off when I was reading this article. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. It was, I don't know if they, if they were only expanding articles to, you know, to give more information that that's great. Mm-hmm. I'm totally okay with that. But when they're actively taking away good information from articles because they don't, deem it like politically important or pertinent or something or you know whatever i i don't know i feel like it's going too far yeah it was funny i was on the uh, wikipedia for the uh you remember the guy that sang that chocolate rain song um 
Um, Chocolate Rain. Chocolate Rain. It was know, a YouTube sensation like 10 years ago. Oh, um, I don't remember it. It was one of the first viral, viral videos. I guarantee if you watch it, uh, or I guarantee people in the audience know what I'm talking about. But yeah, if you go, you should go back and watch it. It's uh, pretty interesting. But anyway, like it was this. Uh, one song that this one guy did and uh, anyway somebody put a note at the top of the Wikipedia page is like this article should be removed it's not about an important enough person and I'm like well I searched for it and I found it like it was apparently important enough to me like you know, like it might seem stupid but you know it's like I sought this information out and I'm glad it was here because I you know wasted 30 seconds reading it or whatever but you know it's like who are you to t- say this isn't you know whatever so Mm-hmm. I think Wikipedia is important. Um, you know, I remember like when it was first starting off, everybody was like, don't use it. Don't cite it as a source in your article or your paper or anything. But I'm saying like, I mean, and, and like, I feel like Stephen Colbert pulled a stunt where he like edited an article in a ridiculous way just to prove that he could. I'm like, okay, you proved that you could, but generally 99% of the time, the information you get on Wikipedia is going to be generally correct. And it's going to give you a very good basic understanding of issues that you may or may not choose to dig deeper into. But as far as, you know, for human humanity writ large, Wikipedia is invaluable, I would say. Mm-hmm. I mean, old, old encyclopedias, you, you know, you bought them. You, you bought them on a payment plan or something because they were pretty expensive, but you had them in your house, I guess. My family never had them as far as I can remember, but I knew what they were. And, you know, the information just sits there. It doesn't get updated, doesn't get corrected. These are the encyclopedias you have whenever you bought them. Mm-hmm. Right? This thing is constantly updated. I mean, Wikipedia today is probably a lot different than it was five or ten years ago. Constantly updated with new information. It's I don't know. It's it's good. It's generally a good thing, I would say. Hmm. Probably a net positive for humanity. Mm-hmm. They have a uh, bot on Twitter that tracks all the uh, edits that are made to Wikipedia from the, the House of Representatives IP addresses. So this is like con- congressional staffers, and I assume also like you know congressmen themselves might be doing this. But it's pretty entertaining what you see them change, you know, every now and again. So <laughs> yeah, that's that's a little eerie in a way. Yeah. But um, one thing one thing that does freak me out about Wikipedia is like whenever you read an article and you go to the I forget if it's the bottom or the top I feel like maybe it's the bottom or something it was like this article was last updated like 20 minutes ago by you know four twenty sixty nine you know so and so whatever it's like are you telling me that like every single article that I click on was edited like within the last day within the last twenty four hours by someone. Mm-hmm. I mean that's insane, right? <laughs> that's, that's totally insane. Like who are? Yeah. Why? I mean, how often does new information come to light? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, I probably ought to get going because we got to go get some brunch here. But uh, thanks for jumping on the phone here. Yeah, no problem. I'm, yeah, I think we covered various things. I, you know, I wish uh, everybody in the audience a happy 2018, happy New Year. Be safe. Uh, watch CNN see if Don Lemon gets drunk gets his other ear pierced this year (laughs) (laughs) that that would happen last year (laughs) yeah it was crazy he got lots of trouble and I never saw the earring again after that night 
<laughs> yeah, he got, he got his ear pierced on live TV, and he was drunk as hell on tequila, and he said, like, 2016 was a terrible year. I'm so happy it's going to be 2017. And we're like, and people said, like, I can't believe he said it was a bad year. That's not his place as a reporter. <laughs> like, dude, 2016 was the year of Trump. It was a bad year, objectively. <laughs> I don't know why in God's name. It must have been the tequila that made him think that 2017 would be any better. But, uh, but anyways, yeah, happy 2018 to everybody out there. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, uh, I'll talk to you soon, Shia. Stay safe. All right, yep. All right, later on. Happy New Year. Bye. If you enjoy this podcast, there are several ways to support it. I have a Patreon account, which can be found at www.patreon.com forward slash Rob Burgess Show Patreon. I hope you'll consider supporting in any amount.
Also, please make sure to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review the podcast everywhere it's available, which includes iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Facebook, Twitter, Internet Archive, TuneIn, and RSS. It really helps. The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. Until next time.